Hello, and welcome to the Magic for Realists podcast. This is the 50th dose, and it's called Proximity and Pacing. My name is Lindsay Celeste, and this is the 50th episode. Like, wow, (laughs) I feel like clapping. Uh, Yeah, I'm excited that I've made this many, and I'm excited that you're listening. And... I'm making this podcast in general because I have some things to say about magic in the real world. By that, I mean the things I found helpful and sparkly and amazing and nuanced and things that I can adjust to make my experience better and things that are wonderful and in the real world that my physical body is experiencing, things I can touch. Yeah, like the intersection between our emotional and spiritual well-being and the physical, our physical experience. So I talk about that on this show. And I'm making this particular podcast called Proximity and Pacing as I guess we're still sort of in this relationship theme that I've been on for the last few weeks. And last week I talked about my some of the things I've learned from being in open relationships and there is going to be a part two to that because I can feel some other things I want to talk about but I'm not ready for that yet so I guess that's part of pacing (laughs) Uh, and as I was thinking about these other aspects of relationships that I've learned and found helpful these two concepts of proximity and pacing are two that I I find really helpful and they're variables that I don't think I realized until, well, I've been increasingly realizing that they are adjustable parameters and that that is just really helpful to realize you can adjust them and play with them and the benefits of uh, that I find from being aware of these variables just, it makes things go a lot smoother or exciting, or it gives me, it's like having these other dials to adjust. So what I mean by proximity is closeness, like the amount of closeness. This can be a physical thing. For example, there's kind of a sweet spot, in my opinion, but like how far away to live from people. (laughs) And with both of these, with proximity and pacing, there's not one like one sweet spot across all relationships. This is more than just our intimate relationships or our sexual ones, but in our connections with our family, our coworkers, our friends, our acquaintances, proximity matters. So there's some people in my life that I enjoy living really close to that I want to you know, just be able to pop over and say hello. And and then there's some people that it's like quite good that we have many kilometers between us. With neighbors or land shares, there can be kind of a sweet spot where you don't, you can't like see all of each other's business, but you're close by. And So this is an adjustable parameter. I mean, sometimes you can't actually move the houses, but it's something to be aware of in how we live with other people that 
the physical like distance like whether you could shout and they would hear you or whether you can see their lights on or whether you know you share a fence line these things matter to our experience and sometimes it's only the proximity that needs to be adjusted for the relationship to be smoother so there might be some people that <laughs> that you are like enjoy being friends with then you try being roommates and it's like way more strenuous so hopefully you realize that and just you know undo the roommate situation and can go back to being friends and realize that like it wasn't a fault in the person it was just too it was too proximate for that connection similarly there's a proximity in like physical bodies so we've all probably noticed the difference in the last few years at times when people were feeling quite afraid of each other for immune reasons that I say that with a smirk on my face because my theory of immunity or my understanding of immunity which I guess is a theory uh, isn't doesn't follow the six foot rule that's a side note <laughs> but I think I think we do well when we're in proximity to people when we have close <clears throat> close contact of hugging and touching but there's some people in some circumstances where getting really close to somebody isn't appropriate and it's not going to feel good and similarly or conversely there's times when getting physically closer is going to really help the connection if you're talking to somebody about something really kind of deep or emotional or sensitive and I get up and walk away I'm signaling that like I'm not attentive whereas turning my body and getting actually physically closer to them increasing the proximity will increase the feeling of connection and so this variable of how physically close our bodies are are something that we can we can notice and we can adjust and I find that really helpful to think about and realize there's also a proximity to other relationships that aren't human our proximity to the natural well we are part of the natural world but to you know trees and water and lakes and rivers and soil and a lot of people in modern era are very distanced from that they're not very proximate to the rhythms and the textures and the temperatures and the sounds of the world the natural i the the wild world and I believe an awareness of how proximate we are to that, how comfortable are we with our proximity to nature, and do we want to increase it? I, I would hazard that most people would be most, there's very few people who are like too close to nature and would benefit from less of it. I think that almost everybody is on the side or on like the spectrum side of benefiting from more proximity to nature.
one of my, I have a few, that's a value I hold really highly. And so I have a few like rules about places where I will live <laughs> and, or yeah, like criteria, that's the word. Uh, I want to live somewhere without street lights outside my house because I really appreciate darkness. And I also really like being able to pee outside and just, you know, like in the corner, yard, wherever, bushes. And so I want to live somewhere that's rural enough that that's possible. <laughs> and so that dictates my proximity to a town. I've also lived really remotely. And though I've loved the proximity to wildness and the quietness and the peace that comes with that isolation, I've also noticed that I really miss being around people and events and strangers. And so for me, the sweet spot of proximity to a town is like within biking distance of the town, but not living right in it. So I give some of these examples to point out that proximity is adjustable. So if something's not working well, a relationship, a commute, uh, a lifestyle, if there's some piece that's feeling like clanky or like, yeah, just not feeling good and energizing and lovely, that before we like throw the whole thing out, I've learned that the proximity piece is adjustable. So I might be able to just get closer or farther away, even physically. This could also be about like emotional proximity. So how, you know, how much do you share? Sometimes there's this feeling of oversharing. Um, like I've heard it described, I forget where, as like a kind of like a vulnerability hangover. I wish I could remember who said that. Uh, I think it was Andy Mort. Andy, I think it was you. Uh, Andy Mort of the Gentle Rebel podcast. I think he was talking about it. Maybe he was quoting somebody else. This idea of like a vulnerability hangover where you've like shared too much and then you feel kind of like exposed and gross and dizzy afterwards. That would be an indication of like too much emotional proximity. Like it's too close to, and it's usually about too close too fast, which brings us into pacing. So an awareness around emotional proximity that some connections are really great at a distance. Some are like kind of meant to just be, you know, a wave or a hello or a superficial, how's it going? And some connections are beautiful and designed or well, well suited to closer proximity. And this also goes across phases. So a proximity that worked at one point doesn't work well later. So when I was 11, sleeping in the same house as my mom was a great idea. Like, live, you know, having my bedroom close by, like in the same house was excellent. Now I need a lot more space for my parents. That proximity doesn't work for me anymore. If I was to still be living with my parents, it, it wouldn't be good for my emotional health. And so proximity changes over time. 
doesn't mean that anything is necessarily wrong. And emotional proximity can change too in different phases of our experience and the other person's. There's seasons to be close and to be farther. And it helps me to see this proximity as as a variable and not as a problem so that I can still have love and kindness and and kind of like open to what's actually happening in my connections so that I can see oh this is a time when we're not as proximate instead of painting it as like something's really wrong and I've done something wrong or they don't love me anymore that like I there's friends where you know we're at a phase where we're not as proximate and maybe that will cycle through and we will become more proximate later and so this realizing that this is a variable that's adjustable and that goes through phases helps me to not disparage as much and to also be aware of what's working and what I might need to adjust which is closely tied to pacing what I mean by pacing is like the speed the timing the intervals in between We know this from music and speaking, that the tempo matters. If I start talking really fast and saying all sorts of things and you're like, what What in the world is she talking about? It has a very different vibe than if I'm measured and if I start going like super slow, you're also probably like bored. So... We know in art and speech and and music that pacing is part of what makes it uh, enjoyable. So artists of all sorts play with pacing to get a message across, to get a tone across. I think more awareness is kind of part of the craft, something I try and be aware of. And, you know, music tempo, there's like numbers to talk about I forget the term when I used to play piano there would be like a tempo and some Italian words (laughs) Um, about how fast the composer imagined this being played because it has a very different tone based on speed a similar thing is at play in our connections you've probably experienced this with text messages or emails like when there's a back and forth where you have a text exchange and if the person doesn't get back to you for like a week that has a very different feeling than if they get back to you within an hour and if there's lots of fast back and forth then you then you feel that you're like in the connection at the same moment you know when the texts are bouncing back and like as you're writing one you get one then you know that the person's actually there holding their phone at the same time that you are, and it feels more connective. So we can play with pacing. Sometimes there's logistics like, you know, you've gone camping and you don't have your phone, in my case. (laughs) Um, But an awareness that the pacing changes the experience. So I might want to mention when I get back from camping, oh, I was away camping, that's why I didn't get back to you. So that the delay has a different feeling than forgetfulness. Honestly, I think that 
the pacing expectation around cell phones is too fast. So lots of people expect to hear back right away. And I, <laughs> I kind of, I think, habituate more of my connections that, you know, within, it's not, I'm going to get back to you within five minutes, unless, you know, it's five minutes away that we're meeting. But there's this pacing element that changes the feeling. So if you want to keep a connection kind of at a, at a bit of a distance and not augment it, then pacing is something you can adjust to not make it so intense. So this applies to like a flirting phase. If you've just gone on a first date with somebody and then you text them right away afterwards and right away after that and right away when they get back to you, it has this like fast, maybe needy, like quick energy. And that one of the ways to bring more awareness and probably wisdom is to slow that process down and to pause in between. This applies in so many circumstances for me that changing the pace to be slower so that I have time to digest the experience and respond well, it is changing for the better (laughs) so many things for me. Going slower, like saying things like, I'll get back to you tomorrow. I need time to think about it. Uh, How about like just giving myself these spaces to digest, changing the pace so it's not so fast, that my commitments aren't so squished together, that my connections are not, are not so squished and fast. Sometimes I want a lot of connection and sometimes, but rarely does that sometimes of like a lot of social connection last for too long. Because if it does, I, I get sort of like uh, indigestion, like emotional indigestion. And so playing with pacing can make me a lot, does make me a lot more present and aware and happy. And especially if there's any kind of charge around the subject, like if I'm feeling upset or sad or confused or frustrated or angry, that if I can buy myself some time, uh, if necessary, by saying, I'm upset, I need some time. But often I can just build it in like kind of subtly without having to address it. I can just, you know, I can just decide not to say something and to wait a day or a week and see if it's really important and then go back to it once my nervous system has calmed down. Pacing also matters for beautiful things. I've learned that beautiful things also take time to really digest and sink in and that spreading out uh, spreading out the wonder doesn't necessarily diminish it. Sometimes it augments it. There's, there can be these sweet spots of like enough, enough closeness, but not too much. And that there, there does come a point where like too much of a good thing is too much. Like if you really enjoy spending time with somebody and you spend all your time with them, 
uh, which I have tried, <laughs> it it changes the dynamic. It like the spark or the excitement or the enjoyment of their company can or does lessen often. Like uh, it less it changes. I should say it doesn't always lessen because it it can go into different phases of of deepness and enjoying. But I want I just want to point out that the the pacing matters. So if you if you pace your visits with your family or your lover too close together, that might be that might be the only thing that's causing the sour taste in your mouth. Like it just might be that it was too fast and that otherwise it's a beautiful, lovely, awesome connection and you just need to spread it out a little bit. You just need to like not see the friend every weekend and see them like once a month and then it's an awesome friendship. But it's not a it's not a like every week friendship. Like there's and this this changes over time, as I said, and it changes from connection to connection. Also, pacing matters for grief and for navigating complicated relationships. When I was transitioning out of my last significant relationship pacing was probably the most acute time when I learned this pacing there was so much charge and learning and energy and sadness and sexual charge in that untangling that I learned with the help of my therapist about pacing that I needed so much time to digest. Uh, And so when it was in my control, any communications with my previous partner, I could control the pace of them. So I could control the, the pace that I responded. And when I responded really quickly, <laughs> I I would feel like re-engaged. I would feel like I was back in something with him. And so I learned that because I wanted to be like disen- disentangling, I wanted the pro- the proximity to decrease and get further and further away, which feels sad to say, but that was and is what I'm up to, uh, that the pacing mattered. So I needed time, even after I would get a, a, a text of some sort, I needed time to digest it. And I needed a long time <laughs> to digest it before I could, from my grounded, centered, now what my life is like place, decide how to respond. And I needed time to let my emotions do their thing. I needed time to let their, my body do their thing, to let my life keep going, to potentially talk to my therapist and then respond or choose to re- whether to respond. And so learning that pacing was something I could adjust, that I didn't, I didn't need to respond right away. Like rarely, very rarely does the circumstance we're presented with actually require our immediate response. Like uh, fire alarms would be one, (laughs) uh, you know, like children crying, definitely, uh, 
I'm just thinking this morning I got a reminder about a dentist appointment that required my immediate action because I thought it was an hour from now. Thankfully it wasn't. So like some things require immediate attention, but most of the, most of the communications we get, we have the choice about when to respond. And this whole feeling of like, ah, I got to get back to them now is mostly invented. (laughs) And awareness around that and choosing our pacing. Oh, I just, I feel like I keep repeating myself because these little gems have helped me so much that I just want to share them with you. That pacing and proximity are adjustable. And oh God, it's so great to know that you can adjust them. You can also turn them up. Like you can increase them. You can increase the pacing. If you want to get closer to somebody, you can call them more often. Like if you can just, and you can experiment and see like, oh, does this pacing feel good? And sometimes a, a conversation with the connection around proximity and patient can be helpful. Like, how is this feeling for you? How is this closeness? How's this speed? How's that feeling? And sometimes it's something that we just hold as awareness ourselves and adjust. And we can only really ever adjust our side of it. But that that in itself makes a significant adjustment. Just looking, I actually made a list this time. <laughs> I don't usually make a list of things I'm going to say. Uh, so I'm just looking at my list. I also want to emphasize that this also can apply to family. I imagine that for lots of us, our family connections have brought all sorts of learning. Uh, some of it sweet, some of it challenging. And a family matrix, like a family system, a family constellation, probably has a uh, like a norm as far as proximity and pacing goes. Like your pro- parents had a proximity to their parents that they were used to and they had a pacing. They might have had uh, like a traditional like go over on Sundays for dinner. They might have had we don't talk to each other. They might have had a phone call every two months. And it might be interesting to note how your proximity to your parents is similar or different than their proximity to their parents, your grandparents, whether or not all these generations are alive or not to notice whether the proximity has and pacing has stayed the same or has changed. Sometimes one generation will will keep with the, the norm and sometimes it will shift. And this, this is different from family to family. Some families have a lot of proximity and their pacing is quite fast. And some, I guess you could have a lot of proximity physically and then not talk to each other might be the most awkward uh and you can also be physically far away and talk often uh and some families have not much of either some siblings keep a similar pace and proximity to their parents as each other and some have very different ones so I wanted to point this out because it might be interesting for you to look at how these two variables are at play in your family constellation and see whether that is setting some sort of 
uh, I guess, norm or expectation for you that you are carrying over into the world. And that might be a helpful expectation and, and like maybe helpful what you're used to, or it might be that you're expecting the same proximity and pacing that you're used to with your family in all your relationships. And that some of them are not suited to that. Some of them might be suited for more proximity than you had within your family. Maybe you weren't emotionally close in your family and there's some connections that are inviting that proximity for you. Or maybe you're used to talking often with your family. And so when a friend doesn't talk to you often, you think something's wrong. So often our families of origin are where we kind of learn patterns. And so I'd encourage you to take a look at the proximity and pacing factors in your family and see, see what you notice there and how it might be affecting your other connections. Yeah. And that's it. That's the end. <laughs> I think part of pacing is also knowing when, when to conclude, like when to conclude a visit or a time together and where the sweet spot is. Usually on these podcasts, the sweet spot for me lands around the 30 minute mark. And uh, yeah, that seems to be about when I feel like I've completed a part of a subject. So I hope this has been helpful to you. And I always love hearing who you are, where you're listening from, and what you thought of these thoughts. And if you have any questions or comments, there's two ways to get in touch with me. One is through my website, magicforrealists.ca. And the other one is on Instagram, at magicforrealists. So thank you for listening. And I hope that these concepts of pacing and proximity are helpful to you now and going forward. And I hope you experience some magic in the real world. Bye for now.